Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 72 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time we have an audition of a mystery show that features an unusual crime solver. It's The Judge, starring John Daner from February of 1952. Though there were many classic radio programs showcasing the justice system, such as Mr. District Attorney, Famous Jury Trials, and Perry Mason, there were only a couple that featured a judge in the leading role. One was a late 1930s soap opera, Her Honor Nancy James, which starred Barbara Weeks. While the other was His Honor the Barber, with film actor Barry Fitzgerald as Judge Bernard Fitz in a series on NBC in 1945. Both of these programs offered their respective jurists in a courtroom setting and continued for about a year on the air. However, in The Judge, which we're about to play, John Daner enacts the role of a retired jurist who helps the police solve difficult cases in a half-hour weekly drama. The idea for this show came from the fertile minds of the CBS program department in Hollywood. Including the scriptwriters Richard George Pettisini and William Frug, editorial supervisor John Meston and producer-director Norman McDonald. Both McDonald and Meston should be well-known to radio fans for their work on Gunsmoke. Which we play often on Hollywood 360, Lisa. Yes, but at that time during the early months of 1952, Gunsmoke was still in the development stages. And McDonald and his team were also working on other potential series, including The Judge. Of the two writers we mentioned who were assigned to this series, Richard George Pettisini had previously written for and acted on suspense. He was one of the up-and-coming continuity writers at the network, having worked at various jobs in the script department. And Pettisini's co-author for The Judge, William Frug, was profiled in a recent Radio Rarities podcast. Frug both wrote and directed the audition of the science fiction thriller Action 80, which starred William Conrad. That was podcast number 65, so if you haven't heard it, you might want to go back and tune in. To star in the leading role of their latest production, The Judge, McDonald chose John Daner. One couldn't find a more distinguished and authoritative voice than the actor who would portray Judge A.J. Adams. John Daner was also featured in one of our previous podcasts, Lisa. Right. He was the star of Have Gun, Will Travel, number 35, in our Radio Rarities series. That program debuted on radio in 1958 after being launched on television in 1957, with Richard Boone as the soldier of fortune paladin. When casting for The Judge was being considered in February of 1952, John Daner had amassed an impressive resume in the medium. He was a member of the Peabody Award-winning news team at Beverly Hills Station KMPC for their work 
1945, covering the United Nations Conference in San Francisco. And in 1947, he produced his own syndicated commentary series, Hollywood Notebook, which was distributed by Finley Transcriptions. Daner could be heard in regular roles on all the major networks, including Family Theater on Mutual and Lassie on ABC. While on NBC, he was cast in Screen Directors Playhouse and many of the network's university theater productions. But it was on CBS that he appeared in nearly all of the dramatic series, including The Whistler, Suspense, Romance, and many others. And not to leave out the local scene, he had portrayed that cackling cave dweller on KMPC's The Haunts of the Hermit, a 1945 rejuvenation of their earlier 1940s thriller, The Hermit's Cave. Okay. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the audition episode of The Judge, starring John Daner in The Death of the Playboy, as recorded at the CBS studios in Hollywood, February 13th, 1952. I am Judge A.J. Adams. For almost 40 years, I presided over one of the highest criminal courts in the land, and I have learned, above all, that no crime is perfect. The Judge. Each week at this time, Judge A.J. Adams solves another nearly perfect crime. Relying on the fact that mistakes are repeated, that criminal motives do not vary, the Judge, now retired draws upon his vast courtroom experience to fight another battle for justice. It is evening just outside the palatial home of Mrs. Agatha Winters, one of the town's wealthiest widows. Mrs. Winters lives with her stepson, Ronald, and her secretary, Catherine Shaw. A high, solid brick wall surrounds the Winters' estate, cutting it off from the rest of the neighborhood. It's 9.30 when a long, sleek convertible pulls up the driveway in front of the mansion and stops. The car door opens, a young man steps out. He starts up the stairs toward the house as a voice from out of the shadows says... Ronnie! What? Ronnie, wait. Julie, what are you doing here? I had to talk to you. Ronnie, why haven't you been to the nightclub to see me? It's been almost a week. I've told you, Julie, it's no use. Ronnie, have you forgotten? We were going to be married. Now you're only making this more difficult. I'm sorry if I sound brutal, but there's no other way. But, Ronnie, you, you can't end this. Good we night, just... Julie. Or perhaps I should say goodbye. Ronnie. 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 Oh, hello, Catherine. Is my stepmother still up? No, she's retired for the evening. Oh. Well, I have some news for her. She won't have to worry about Julie Young anymore. I know she'll be pleased to hear that. Your stepmother did worry, so... Yes, I'm sure she did. Good night, Catherine. Good night, Ronnie. Oh... Good to be home. It's stuffy in this room. I'll just open the window. It's a beautiful night. Hello. 
Looks as though there's someone down in the garden. Who's there? Who's... Oh, it's you. Hey, wait. Put down that... It is 30 minutes later. Not many miles away, sitting in his study, is Judge A.J. Adams. Once one of the nation's most fearless fighters against crime, Judge Adams is now retired. However, from time to time, the good judge is pleased to lend his brilliant judicial mind to the cause of justice when called upon by the police. Now the telephone just outside Judge Adams' study rings suddenly. A short, plump woman of about 50 wipes her hands on her apron and walks towards the phone. She is Mrs. Maloney, Judge Adams' faithful housekeeper. She lifts the receiver. Judge Adams' residence. Mrs. Maloney, this is Lieutenant Tommy Ross of the police department. Oh, I wonder if I could disturb the judge for a moment. Well, he's resting in his study, Lieutenant. Can it not wait till the morning? I'm afraid it can't, Mrs. Maloney. This time it's really important. Would you call him to the phone? Well, seeing as how you're an old friend, Lieutenant, but next time... Mrs. Maloney. I'll get him right away. It's them police again, Judge. Bothering you at all hours. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, Mrs. Maloney. I'll take it on this extension. Judge Adams speaking. Hello, Judge. This is Tommy Ross. Well, hello, Tommy. What can I do for you? Judge, does the name Agatha Winters register with you? Oh, indeed it does. Mrs. Winters represents one of our very prominent families. In fact, she is the leader of the reform movement in the coming city elections. Exactly, Judge. Mrs. Agatha Winters is chairman of the Citizens Committee Against Crime. Yes. Right now, she's a murder suspect. She what? If this thing breaks in the newspapers, what? it'll blow the lid off City Hall. Now, uh, Tommy, suppose you try being a little more explicit. Uh, Judge, I called to ask if you'd mind coming over to the Winters' home right away. I could use your help. You see, Mrs. Agatha Winters' stepson, Ronnie, has just been murdered. <laughs> Judge Adams. Well, I'm sorry I took so long, Tommy. <laughs> the old car doesn't start as easily as it used to. Uh, Judge, perhaps we could talk in the library. You're the policeman, Lieutenant. Ah. Now, about 45 minutes ago, Ronnie Winters was shot through the heart. As best we can tell, he was standing at the window of his bedroom upstairs when mm. it happened. There were no powder burns on the body... And from the angle of the wound, it's our opinion young Winters was shot from the garden below. He was at home alone? Oh, no. Well, there were two other people in the house. His stepmother, Mrs. Winters, and her secretary, Catherine Shaw. Now, Mrs. Winters claims she was in bed asleep at the time. And mm -hmm. Catherine Shaw tells me she was in the kitchen making some coffee. Mm -hmm. well, then neither can alibi for the other. Right, Judge. <clears throat> Tommy, what about the murder weapon? I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Uh oh It can't be found. I've got ten men on this case, Judge. They've searched every inch of the grounds in the house. The gun that killed Ronnie Winters has disappeared. I see. Now, tell me, Tommy, who telephoned the police? Mrs. Winters. She says she was awakened by the shots and called us immediately. Yeah. And luckily, there was a squad car patrolling only two blocks away. They arrived here within minutes after the shooting. Then there is an excellent chance that the murderer at this moment is on the Winters' estate. All right, Judge. 
Neither Mrs. Winters nor Miss Shaw heard a car leave after the shooting, and the grounds around this mansion cover almost five acres. Also, I've got four squad cars patrolling the area bordering the Winters' home. No one has been seen leaving the estate. Well, Lieutenant Ross, I must say you are doing a thorough job. <laughs> Coming from you, Judge Adams, that means something. <laughs> now, there's just one more thing. Yes, Tommy? If the newspapers get wind of this murder, they're going to spread the Winters' family all over the front page, Judge. You know what that'll do to this town's reform movement. Well, with Mrs. Winters a murder suspect, I should imagine it would be a severe blow. Well, that's why I called you, Judge. We're working against time. Tommy, this matter affects our entire community. You'll come along now. I think we'd better have another chat with Miss Shaw and Mrs. Winters. Catherine Shaw coming out of Mrs. Winters' room now, Judge. Good. Perhaps Miss Shaw can talk to us. Yeah. Oh, Miss Shaw. Yes, Lieutenant Ross. I would like you to meet Judge A.J. Adams. I'm deeply honored, Judge Adams. How do you do, Miss Shaw? I've read a great deal about your work with the police. Thank you, Miss Shaw. Well, I see right now you are reading Emil Zola's fascinating book, The Human Beast. I think it's one of Zola's best works, Judge Adams. You sure? I wonder if I might speak with you for a few moments. Why, of course. Did you discover the body of Ronald Winters? Yes, sir. Mm. I was in the kitchen when I heard the shots. I ran upstairs immediately and found Ronnie lying there beneath the windowsill. And Mrs. Winters, when did she arrive? Just a few moments later. She was awakened out of a sound sleep. Miss Shaw, I'm going to ask you a very important question, and I must have a completely frank answer. I'll be glad to answer, Judge Adams. Thank you. Did Mrs. Winters and her stepson get along well? Most of the time, yes, sir. But some of the time they did not. Um... Well, there was one minor matter. Hmm. Well, please, continue. Ronnie was going with a nightclub singer, Julie Young. Mrs. Winters didn't approve. She asked Ronnie to stop seeing the girl. And did he? Well, there was a scene. At first, Ronnie refused. Then then when Mrs. Winters said she wouldn't let Ronnie disgrace the family name, she... she said... Go on. She'd rather see him dead. Miss Shaw, why haven't you revealed this information to the police? Lieutenant, Mrs. Winters is not only my employer. She's my close personal friend. I'd hate to see her involved. Miss Shaw, that's for the police to decide. Uh, Lieutenant Ross is quite correct, but I understand your loyalty. Now, Miss Shaw, tell me, did you know Julie Young? Well, I've never met her. However, tonight when Ronnie came in, he told me he'd broken off with the girl. I checked on this Julie Young, Judge. She works at the Bluebird Cafe. That's a night spot on the other side of town. Miss Shaw, do either you or Mrs. Winters own a gun? Oh, no, Judge. We've never had one in the house. How long have you lived in this house with Mrs. Winters? Almost four years. Uh, since Mrs. Winters' husband died. Oh, thank you, Miss Shaw. You've been most cooperative. Anything I can do to help, Judge Adams. Anything at all. I shall be happy to call on you. Oh, keeps going in circles, Judge. And still no sign of the murder weapon. Tommy, regarding this Miss Julie Young... Yes, sir? I think you'd better send for her right away. Meanwhile, I'm going to have a talk with Mrs. Agatha Winters.
And he was there beneath the windowsill, Ronnie, dead. Now, there, there, Mrs. Winters. Please, try to calm yourself. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, Judge Adams. I know you'll help us. Oh, I shall try my best. Uh, Mrs. Winters, exactly what were the terms of your late husband's will? I'm afraid I, I can't recall all the terms of his will. Well, to whom did the bulk of the estate go? Uh, to Ronnie. Oh, oh, poor Ronnie. I... And he, he received his inheritance four years ago? No. No, it was held in trust until his 25th birthday. I, I was named executor of the estate until then. And when would Ronald have become 25? On Thursday. Just three days from now. And uh, if he died before his birthday, you retain control of the estate, hmm? Well, yes. Thank you, Mrs. Winters. I hope it won't be necessary to trouble you again. Oh, please, Judge Adams, please help the police to find the person who killed my son. Your stepson, Mrs. Winters. Yes, my step... Judge, you... You don't think that I... That I... Mrs. Winters, I shall do everything in my power to see that the murderer of Ronald Winters is apprehended. Oh, Judge, I have to talk to you. Yes, yes, Tommy. I sent a squad car down to the Bluebird nightclub to pick up Julie Young. And? The men just got back. The manager of the Bluebird told him Julie Young disappeared at 9 o'clock. She hasn't been seen since. How about her residence? We checked there. They said she left sometime this afternoon, hasn't been back. Besides that, she was due at the Bluebird for the 9.30 show. 9.30? Yes. Approximately the time of the murder of Ronald Winters. Tommy, why don't you and I take a stroll outside? I'd like to look over the grounds. Right, Judge. I've doubled the men searching out there. Somewhere in these five acres, we're going to find that gun. And when we do, it's my guess we'll find the murderer still holding it. <laughs> well, Lieutenant Ross, it appears you have half the city's police force searching for one gun. Oh, I'd have more if they weren't needed elsewhere. Yeah. Judge, this case has got to be cracked, and soon we can't hold the reporters off much longer. Yes, sir. No, no, no. Every racketeer in this town would like nothing better than a scandal involving Mrs. Winters, the reform uh, leader. Uh, hold it, Tommy. I believe one of your men has discovered something. Ah. All right. Come out of those bushes with your hands up. Judge, someone hiding in the shrubs. Yeah. You better get back in the house. They could be shooting. If there is, you'll need every man of us. I'm going to count three. If you aren't out of there with your hands up, we open fire. One, two. No, no. Judge, it's a girl. She's coming this way, Tommy. Don't shoot, please. Don't shoot, don't think. <laughs> now, well, young lady. Hold your fire, man. <laughs> Judge, are you okay? She ran right into you. <laughs> Luckily, I'm in better shape than most men my age. All right, now, miss, suppose you tell us your oh, name. Oh, no, no, she's frightened, Tommy. Here, let me try it. Come here. Miss? Yes. Who are you? My name is Julie. Julie Young. Julie Young, the nightclub singer. Please, please, couldn't we go inside? I'm... We'll do better than I... that, Miss Young. I'm arresting you for the murder of Ronnie Winters. <laughs>
return to the judge in just a moment. But first, March 15th can be just like any other day in the year if you send your income tax returns in early. Don't be harassed, worried, and nervous as that day draws near. Remember, you receive refunds sooner if you file early. It's worth it. Get your returns filed right now. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co Host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now, back to Radio Rarities. And now the second act of The Judge. And today's story, The Death of the Playboy. Playboy Ronald Winters, stepson of the wealthy Mrs. Agatha Winters, has been found murdered. Because Mrs. Winters is leader of the city's reform movement, Police Lieutenant Tommy Ross has called upon Judge A.J. Adams to assist him in solving the case. Both the police and the judge realize that should the newspapers play up the role of Mrs. Winters in this case, the city's much-needed reform movement would collapse. Thus, the judge and Tommy Ross continue their investigation at the Winters' home, even though the hour is very late. Lieutenant Ross is now questioning singer Julie Young, who is in love with the murdered playboy. All right, Miss Young. If you're as innocent as you say you are, why were you discovered just a few minutes ago hiding on the Winters' estate? I, I was afraid. Afraid of what? After I left Ronnie earlier tonight, I heard shots. I ran down the driveway, and then suddenly there were headlights coming toward me, and I, I hid in the shrubs. When the car passed, I saw it was the police. I, I was too frightened to move. Uh, Miss Young, 
Yes, Judge. Would you please describe the scene that took place between you and Ronald Winters earlier this evening? I came to the house to see Rodney. Mm-hmm. It was about 9.30, I guess. Just as I arrived, he drove up in his car. I asked him why he hadn't come to the club to see me. And he said... He said it was all over between us. He left me, standing there. And he went in the house. And you're asking us to believe that after being jilted by Ronnie Winters, you turned meekly and walked away? It's true, Lieutenant. I swear it. I wouldn't have killed Ronnie no matter what he did. I loved him. Okay, okay. Sanders, take her in the other room. Come along, Miss. Come along. Well, Judge, I'm licked. None of these people killed Ronnie Winters, but he's dead. You know, Tommy, it's entirely possible Julie Young is telling the truth. Well, Judge, she's sincere, she's innocent-looking, but she had the perfect motive. And furthermore, she was found hiding on the ground. If Julie Young murdered Young Winters, wouldn't the gun have been found either on her person or somewhere on the grounds? Well, now, Judge, do you realize I've got more than 20 policemen on this case now? And every single one of them are looking for a small hunk of metal, a gun. The gun that killed Ronnie Winters. easy, Tommy, my boy. I realize this is an extremely unusual case, but I assure you, there is some logical explanation. Oh, yeah? But where do we find it? I recall a case of some years back during which the solution hinged upon the finding of the murder weapon. I believe I have the history of that case at home in my study. Now, what has a case years ago got to do with the murder of Ronnie Winters tonight? Tommy... It is my opinion that there is very little new under the sun, and that includes murder. For each criminal investigation, there is one in the record books that has many similar factors. You might even say that it is upon this premise that our system of law is based. That is why lawyers and judges alike so often refer to older cases during a trial. Okay, judge, okay, so somebody else once had trouble finding a gun. Where does that leave us? With your permission, Lieutenant, I would like to return to my home and study my law books. I believe something vital will come of it. I'll do better than that, Judge Adams. I'll give you a squad car and two men to help you. But let me warn you in advance, Judge. I've got my murderer, and her name is Julie Young. finally came home, Judge Adams. Why, Mrs. Maloney, perhaps I might ask what my housekeeper is doing up at this hour of the night? Keeping track of you, that's what. And where is your hat? Hmm? I, I beg your pardon? Judge, I said, where is your hat? Do you want to catch your death on such a cold night? <sighs> Mrs. Maloney, if you'll excuse me, I have an urgent Urgent matter. enough, tis about time you got some sense in your head. Staying up to all hours uh, and going bareheaded in this weather. Mrs. See Mar- here, Judge Adams. You may be very intelligent like them policemen and newspapers yeah. is always saying, but to me, you're just a man who needs taken care of. No hat, indeed. Uh, good night, Mrs. Maloney. In the future, I shall check with you regarding my haberdashery. Now. Yeah, now, let me see. Where is that? Yes, here's the volume I need. I see. Case of... Yes, yes, that's just the case I had in mind. 
The State of Illinois versus Cartwright. Page. Why, yes. Of course. It's a very important point. Uh, what now, Mrs. Maloney? It's a telephone for you, Judge. Lieutenant Ross. And he says it's very urgent. All right, Mrs. Maloney, thank you. Yes? Judge, Tommy Ross. Yes? You better come back to the Winters' home right away. Is something wrong, Tommy? It's that Julie Young dame. She was a bundle of nerves, Judge, so I let her lie down in a spare bedroom. If you go on. Well, I used my sympathy instead of my head. Julie Young has escaped. He what? I'll be right there. soup. The reporters are outside screaming for blood, and my number one suspect just flew the coop. Easy, Tommy. She couldn't have gotten very far. Oh, I suppose you're right, Judge. I've got every man searching the grounds for her. But so far as I'm concerned, this proves it. Just as soon as Julie Young is recaptured, she's getting a nice, cozy cell. Tommy, I wonder if I could ask one more favor oh, of you. Oh, Judge, it's getting late. It... Oh, well, for you, sure. Go ahead. Thank you, Tommy. Could you have your men bring Mrs. Winters and Miss Shaw into the library now? I'm sure you will find it highly informative. I'm going to have to ask you, Mrs. Winters and Miss Shaw, to give Judge Adams your complete cooperation. All right, Judge, the floor is yours. Thank you. From the very beginning of this case, certain factors seemed familiar to me. Primarily the matter of the missing weapon. Thanks to the kindness of Lieutenant Ross, I was able to return to my study and engage in some research. That research has borne fruit. Judge. Oh, Judge, please, have you discovered who killed my stepson? In a moment, Mrs. Winters. The basic problem in a murder case is generally the motive. But in this case, there were many motives available. Mrs. Winters. Yes, Judge Adams. By your own admission, your husband's vast estate would have been turned over to your stepson in but three days, had he lived. That's true, Judge, but you certainly don't if, think that please. I... In addition, there is the known fact that you informed your stepson, Ronald, that you would prefer to see him dead rather than disgrace the family name. Is that not correct? Well, yes. Motive and circumstantial evidence. Now, Miss Shaw... Yes, sir. I believe you stated you had been in Mrs. Winter's employ for four years. That's true, Judge. And during that time, you have served her faithfully. In fact, have become more her companion than secretary. Well, yes, I suppose so. Thank you. With Ronald Winters now dead, a new will is in effect. Uh, yours, Mrs. Winters. With no children of your own, could you please tell me how you have planned to distribute your estate? Well, a great part of it is to go to charity. And the remainder? To Catherine Shaw. Did Miss Shaw know that? Well, yes, Judge. I told Catherine I'd take care of her for the rest of her life. In other words, a strong motive for Miss Shaw. If you, Mrs. Winters, were convicted of the murder of your stepson, Catherine Shaw would inherit the entire fortune. Judge Adams, I didn't kill Ronnie. Yes? Lieutenant Ross, I've got Julie Young. Julie Young? Bring her in, Sanders. Well, Miss Young... I imagine you're ready to sign a statement now. I, I had to run. 
You made everything point to me, but I didn't kill Ronnie. Judge Adams, okay, if we bust up this little gathering now, we've got the guilty party. I'm afraid I can't agree with you, Tommy. What? What? If you'll give me another minute, I'm sure you will understand why. Okay. Okay, Judge, another minute. Now we have the motives established for three people. Miss Young here, the scorned lover. Mrs. Winters, facing what she felt to be family disgrace and loss of control of the family money. And Miss Shaw, also a matter of large inheritance. But what of the murder weapon? Twenty policemen have covered this entire estate, have searched this home from attic to cellar. The gun is still missing. It's no use, Judge. We've covered every inch of the ground. Yes, and very efficiently, too, Tommy. That is why I wanted to check my law books. It was while studying the case of the state of Illinois versus Cartwright that I found my answer. Answer, Judge? Exactly. In the Cartwright case, as in this one, during the entire investigation, the murderer concealed the weapon on his person. Oh, but, Judge, all these people were searched. I'm sure they were, Tommy. Nonetheless, in this room, right now, we have a murderer carrying the gun that killed Ronald Winters. Mm. Miss Shaw. Yes, Judge Adams? Do you enjoy reading Emil Zola's novel, The Human Beast? Why, why, of course. You do? You asked me that once before. Well, uh, would you tell me about the book, please? Well, it's it's about a Frenchman uh, who was a human beast. Uh, very interesting, Miss Shaw. You've enjoyed reading the book so much that you do not know the human beast described by Zola is actually a locomotive and not a man at all. Locomotive. You have enjoyed the book so much you have carried it in your right hand since the moment Ronald Winters was murdered. All right, Judge. You're right. I've got the gun. Here, the gun that killed Ronnie. The gun was inside your book. By carefully cutting out the pages of this large novel, Miss Catherine Shaw has been able to conceal the gun with which she killed Ronald Winters. That book and the murder weapon never left her person. And I still have it in my right hand, ladies and gentlemen. Only I won't need this book anymore. All right, Lieutenant Ross, call off your men. I'm leaving this house and no one dares stop me. You see, Tommy, a book may conceal a dangerous weapon... Just as darkness conceals an attack. Right, Judge. Don't move or I'll shoot! And since this light switch is near my hand... Turn off those lights! Quick, Tommy. Right, Judge. Uh, I'll grab her. Uh, Stop that now. Now I'll get the lights. Oh, let go of me. I've got a Judge. Good work, Tommy. Well, Miss Shaw, yours was a diabolical plot. You killed Ronald Winters and hoped Mrs. Winters would be executed for the crime so that you would inherit a large portion of the estate. Ah, Take her away. Yes, Sanders. Take her out of here. Come along, you. Come along. Oh, Judge Adams. I don't know how to thank you. Well, Judge, as usual, I owe you more than I can tell. Oh, (laughs) nonsense, Tommy. We merely used a stuffy old law book to help us solve a difficult riddle. Oh, no, not we, Judge Adams. You. I'm sure Mrs. Winters and all the others in the reform movement... Won't forget your brilliant work in solving this crime. Tommy, Chief Justice Holmes of the Supreme Court once taught me that every criminal makes the initial mistake of believing he has discovered a new way to beat the law. Yet, like Catherine Shaw, they too must learn any way to crime will end in prison. <laughs> <laughs> 
Judge, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars John Daner and is written by Richard Pettuccini and William Frug. Featured in today's cast were Georgia Ellis, June Whitley, and Sarah Selby, with Byron Kane and Vivi Janis. Lieutenant Ross is played by Larry Dobkin. Editorial supervision is by John Meston. And the special music is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. The meanest man in the world is one who steals your radio just before it's time for the Jack Benny Show. America's favorite miser, a man with more flaws in his character than Swiss cheese has holes, Jack Benny is yours for delight every Sunday on CBS Radio. Tonight again, be sure to be listening and laughing at Jack Benny Time. Be sure to join us again next week when Judge A.J. Adams uses his vast knowledge and experience to solve one of the most unusual crimes on record, the cat's paw. Your announcer, Clarence Cassell. This is the CBS Radio Network. Well, Carl, that was an amusing mystery with the murderess carrying the weapon with her during all that time in a book. Ah, Lisa, but the wise judge, after consulting his case histories, caught her in the end. And kudos to Norman MacDonald for acknowledging the full cast at the end of the show. Including the actress June Whitley, who portrayed Miss Shaw, the villainess in our story. She was a regular supporting player on the Lux Radio Theater. And had co-starred as Margaret Anderson opposite Robert Young in Father Knows Best. Other actresses in the judge audition were Sarah Selby, who played Mrs. Worthington, and Georgia Ellis as Julie Young. All three of these characters were potential suspects in the murder of the playboy, Mrs. Worthington's stepson Ronald, who was played by Byron Kane. He also doubled as police officer Saunders. It was beneficial for budgetary reasons to have Kane double later in the show as his initial character Ronald had been killed off so early in the script. And Carl, we mustn't forget Vivi Janis, who, as Mrs. Maloney, the beleaguered housekeeper of Judge Adams, always had to interrupt him while in his study each time the police called for help. It was the ever-familiar Lawrence Dobkin who played the frustrated Detective Lieutenant Tommy Ross who hailed the judge. The music was composed and conducted by Leith Stevens, one of the industry's top musicians. Who had been enlisted by Norman Corwin and Arch Obler and others to direct the music for their shows. The audition of the judge was a success, Carl. Well, sort of, as the series garnered a slot in the CBS network schedule the following June. That's right, Lisa. On Thursday, June 5th, John Daner and the cast performed an encore performance of this very audition script. The program filled the spot vacated by Mr. Keene when he moved to an earlier hour on CBS. But the judge only solved three more cases on radio before the program was canceled as of June 26. Though the series was not sponsored, that seemed to be an awfully short time to give it a chance on the air. While the production aspects included the sound effects and music, of that Maiden episode were considered excellent by Variety correspondent Bob Stahl, 
He wrote, Though the plot started well, it soon deteriorated into trite situations and dialogue, all of which led up to a contrived climax. Unfortunately, the three other scripts, which involve murders in a plush estate, a museum, and on a college campus, were not that much better. So, after four performances, the judge was replaced by comedian Steve Allen. However, John Daner once again presided over courtroom proceedings as Judge Kerrigan in the 1985 movie thriller Jagged Edge, which co-starred Glenn Close and Jeff Bridges. As we learn from our Radio Rarities podcast number 35, John Daner would have better success with leading roles on radio in both Frontier Gentlemen and Have Gun Will Travel. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll present the 1946 Christmas show from Command Performance with guest stars Jimmy Durante, Dinah Shore, Edgar Bergen, and many others. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.